Ah, sweet land of liberty. Our founding fathers not only pledged, but gave their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to obtain our God-given liberty. Now it's our turn. Liberty can only thrive if it's alive in the hearts of a freedom-loving people. I'm Dan Matthews, and I'm pleased to welcome you to Freedom's Ring. Here's our host and constitutional lawyer and minister, Alan Reinach. You know, Dan, those who oppose religious liberty sometimes find unique legal loopholes for shutting down religious activities. And this case, in all the years I've been doing Freedom's Ring, this case really is a doozy because never before have I seen this kind of fraudulent business practice law applied to the free exercise of religion. But, you know, the longer we go along, the stranger things become. Our guest today, Josh Blackman, a constitutional law professor at South Texas College of Law in Houston. Welcome to Freedom's Ring, Professor Blackman. Thank you for having me. So you serve as an amicus, a friend of the court in this case, involving Orthodox Jewish group here in my backyard in, in Southern California. Tell me about the religious practice and, and how it was opposed in court. So this is a really outrageous case. Um, every year, the Jewish people celebrate a holiday called Yom Kippur. This is called the Day of Atonement. And certain sects of Jews use a ritual called Kaparot or Kaparos. And the ritual involves taking a chicken and gently gliding it in a circular fashion in front of a person. Uh, the animal is not uh, swung by its neck or anything crazy because if you injure the animal, you can't use it. So it's a very gentle movement. After the chicken is swung around in a circular fashion, it's slaughtered in the ritual kosher manner. This is a ritual that's perfectly lawful in California and in all states. Um, but a number of animal rights activists have tried uh, using many means to stop this over the years. Um, most recently, uh, this year, a group of poultry activists uh, turned to a new method, and that was litigation in federal court. And they asserted that performing this ritual, because it entails a donation, unfair business practice, and amounts to animal cruelty, and as a result, they were able to persuade a federal judge to stop this ritual. And the federal court issued an injunction 72 hours before the holiday when this ritual was performed. Um, Thankfully, uh, partially thankfully, but for a period of three days, the rabbi was under this injunction. Uh, finally, after the intervention of a group called uh, the First Liberty Institute based in Plano, Texas, and um, I filed an amicus brief in this case as well, the federal court dissolved the, the injunction. Well, the injunction was dissolved about 15 minutes before sundown, so at that point, it was already too late to perform the ritual, uh, but at least this was a temporary victory. But this case is still far from over. And I think your comments were right on point. I've never seen a case like this where a judge actually accepted such an insane argument about such a purely religious ritual on the eve of the holiday. Well, you know, I'm thinking immediately that the California legislature would certainly willingly entertain a bill to clarify that this is not an unfair uh, business practice. You know, I practice employment discrimination law here in California, and I have often scratched my head at how lawyers use this particular statute, um, but typically it's used to enforce wage and hour laws, and it has some, at least in the employment sector, um, but um, it is extremely broad. What was the argument in this case why it was 
that uh, somehow this religious practice was an unfair business practice. Um, so to grossly summarize, um, California law makes it an unfair business practice to engage in an act that violates the law. So if you can follow this inferential chain, it's an unfair business practice to break the law. And they argue that uh, using the chickens in this manner constituted a malicious killing of an animal. Therefore, because they said it was an illegal killing and there was money involved, this amounted to an illegal business practice. Um, this argument rests on a number of really, really, really dubious propositions. Uh, the first is that because a house of worship charges a suggested donation, which I think most churches and temples do, it becomes a business practice. That's utterly insane. Um, all houses of worship need money to keep the lights on. Second, this argument is premised on the fact that uh, 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 using this ritual slaughter is a malicious killing of a chicken, um, which, again, is insane because California law specifically references Jewish dietary laws and makes that a lawful killing. So there's so many inferential hoops you have to jump for, uh, jump through before you can get to the First Amendment problem, which is why uh, the fact that an injunction was issued is just it is absolutely insane. Uh, as, as for what perhaps should come next, you mentioned maybe the California legislature should get involved. Um, I think at a minimum, the California Attorney General should issue an opinion saying this is not how we interpret state law. Um, no district attorney in the state of California has ever interpreted in this fashion. There's no prosecutions from the AG in this fashion. Um, at a minimum, they should clarify that this is a perfectly lawful act under state law. And if you think that the AG would do this, I think that would be a worthwhile cause. Well, I certainly think it's worth um, advocating with the Attorney General's office. We're going to have a new Attorney General after the election. Uh, probably this show will air after the election, but as we sit here today, you know, we don't know uh, who exactly it's going to be. Um, so we have a case where a religious group was actually prevented from practicing their faith. A, a federal court intervened and said, you cannot engage in this religious practice. That is exactly what happened. Now, you've been teaching constitutional law for some time, I imagine. Have you ever heard of this kind of direct prohibition on religious practice? Or what's, what's the closest analogy you can come up with? Uh, frankly, I haven't. And what makes this case even more egregious was the posture which was filed. Um, now, for your listeners who aren't lawyers, um, there's different ways to stop something in federal court. You can seek a complaint which says, you know, this is bad. You can seek a preliminary injunction, which means this is bad and it's coming up soon, so let's stop it. They saw it was called a, a temporary restraining order, which basically means we want the court to grant a remedy without even talking to the other side. That gives the other side a chance to answer. Even more egregious, they saw this temporary restraining order 12 days before the holiday. Now, this is not something sudden that comes about happens at the same time every year. There was no reason why they should have requested this ex parte restraining order, but the judge actually granted this, which was frankly stunning. Um, the answer should have been, you could have filed this six months ago and given us a full time to have a hearing or even a trial, be way to the last minute, dismissed. Uh, but the judge indeed granted this uh, restraining order. I'm, I'm sitting here in shock um, because, you know, it seems to me uh, it was a number of months ago, I want to say probably in the spring, that this action was anticipated. There there had been some contact with the group, because um, I know I had gotten a call about this problem. And uh, we had quite a lengthy discussion about the 
you know, how the free exercise clause has been eroded and how little protection it now provides and the, you know, how the California free exercise clause is, is in a shambles as well. And I think our listeners assume that we have robust protection for religious freedom in this country. And the reality is, um, you know, we may not have our religious freedom uh, disturbed weekly uh, like this Orthodox Jewish group did, but we're vulnerable. You're exactly right. Um, the the sad part here is that a judge actually granted his order, right? It's not surprising that these um, animal rights groups decide to use whatever lever of power they can. Um, but what's stunning is that they were able to persuade a judge. And I'll give you one anecdote. Um, initially, the judge scheduled a hearing for the morning after Yom Kippur. At that point, the holiday already transpired, and the entire thing was moot. Right. So the lawyers at First Liberty said, hey, judge, how about you hold a hearing today, you know, on the eve of the holiday? He didn't hold a hearing until 2 p.m. California time, or maybe it was 3 p.m. California time, and the hearing lasted nearly two hours. And after that, he took about 30 minutes to deliberate. Um, by the time he finished deliberating, it was about 15 minutes till sunset. At that point, it was already too late to even engage in the ritual. So um, the, the, how do I put this gently, the lack of concern for a house of worship at a very busy time of the year when there were other things in their mind uh, was frankly galling. I, I was utterly shocked um, that, that this could have been resolved so much quicker. And the ultimate result was this is unconstitutional. There was no new precedent that popped up. This was simply a lack of, of effort to see what the other party's position was before granting this order. It should have been tossed. Sure. Um, you know, I, I think it would help to remind our listeners for a start, because, you know, this is, this is not a religious ritual that most of us are familiar with. And it may seem a little bit odd or different, but after all, if you think about it, Animal sacrifice has a very ancient pedigree within biblical religion. And uh, the fact that there is this ritual involving a chicken that some Orthodox Jews uh, utilize, it's, it's really, in a sense, a substitute, a reminder of the temple that once was and has been no longer for, you know, millennia. Okay, uh, I'm... It's actually not an animal sacrifice. I'm so glad you said that. Um, uh, in fact, with the Jewish people, since the destruction of the temple, animal sacrifices have been prohibited. We can't engage in any sort of animal sacrifice. Right. Um, it's an atonement ritual. And effectively what happens is we're trying to say you have this chicken without sin, and we are trying to project ourselves onto this chicken. It's not a, uh, it's not a sacrifice. Um, but but the, the point is well taken. Um, there are lots of religious rituals that maybe don't make sense to a lot of people. But that's why the First Amendment exists. Um, the classic example is the Santeria, the, 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 the chicken sacrifice, in this case called Church of the Lukumi. And you have this city in Florida that tried to prohibit this ritual by saying, oh, well, uh, it's an animal cruelty law. The Supreme Court unanimously said, no, it's not. That's not how this stuff works. Um, so I think it's very significant that we give protection to all manners of uh, religious exercise, whether it's familiar or not. Well, and, you know, one of the points you made earlier in our discussion was that the free will recommended offering does not convert the religion into a business. And, you know, many state laws, like California, have very expansive non-discrimination laws that apply to businesses. 
in California it applies to uh, what's known as business establishments. And at least one very good appellate decision held that a Lutheran high school is not a business establishment. But if it, at some point, uh, you know, church organizations, church schools, etc., are viewed as businesses, then our religious freedom is going to be on the chopping block. This is this is a new strategy that these various groups are trying to attempt. That well, even though your house worship, you're still a place of public accommodation, and therefore you're subject to the full panoply of the law. Um, this sort of argument is extremely, extremely powerful because it gives federal courts the, uh, the power to impose on these groups uh, an, an entire manner of restriction. Well, and uh, particularly um, state courts, because this, well, federal courts to the extent that they're enforcing state laws, um, I suppose, because the state laws tend to be much more expansive than federal law in this area. We've done several shows already about public accommodations laws and their application in states like Hawaii, and I want to say Iowa, I think and possibly Massachusetts, but several states are now flirting with how to apply discrimination laws to churches. Is is that the concern that you're expressing, Professor Blackman? Absolutely right. It's a big concern when you say house of worship is also a business. Well, this has been a very interesting discussion. We'll look forward to seeing the outcome of this case. Our guest today, uh, constitutional law professor Josh Blackman from South Texas College of Law in Houston. I've been talking about a court order that prevented a a, uh, Orthodox Jewish ritual on the eve of Yom Kippur. Thanks so much for being with us on Freedom's Ring today, Professor Blackman. Thank you so much for having me. And as we close, we want to remind our listeners here at Freedom's Ring, we don't just talk the talk about religious freedom. We help folks suffering religious discrimination, especially employment discrimination. So check out our legal resources page at churchstate.org churchdate.org. This has been Freedom's Ring. I'm your host, Alan Reinach. Till next week, let freedom ring. <laughs>